Hello, and welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. My name's Jeremy, I'm with our co-host Joe. Hello. And today, that was a very nice soft hello, by the way. And today... Oh, thank you. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about primal instinct and the various things that drive people. So, Joe, yes. let me ask you, what what drives you? Oh, oh, come on. Yeah, like can't you just give me like a softball or something in the beginning? It's like <laughs> what drives you as a human? What what is your reason to live? Your raison d'être or whatever that's called. Um well, let, okay, I'll give you a specific question then. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> one of the one of the one of the base instincts that I think everybody has has is like is is flight or is fight flight or fight. So, yeah. you know, you're walking down the road, you see a very threatening chicken. Do you fight it or you flight it? I fight the hell out of it <laughs> because I, I I don't like backing down. It's <laughs> part of what makes me such a terrible person. <laughs> No, no, I really though. I don't like backing down. It makes me hugely uncomfortable if I back down. So every time then, you know, you know, like you have to back down. Like if it's like a, a genuine figure of authority, you know, like a police officer or something, then it's like, oh, okay, okay. But I feel uncomfortable for like days afterwards. Yeah. That's only that, that happened to me once in England. Uh, and it was like a whole mistake. And I was just shook. I was just completely shook. So I went and complained, and uh, I got a I got an actual apology from the guy. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, it was really nice. Well, what happened was that uh, it was just in England, right? And it's in Middlesbrough, so it's this like really trashy little like fucking chaff town, you know? It's uh, <laughs> they got like forty percent unemployment or something. It's 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 a ghetto. Oh, it's sad. the Somalia of Europe, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real, uh, it's just a real dump, the whole place. Great people. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, so I was out with some friends or something. We were in like uh, one of the streets there and I was just being kind of a, a, a dummy, right? Uh, just shaking a tree cause it had leaves in it. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I was wearing a white shirt cause I was just dressed for the white shirt uh, that day. And, uh, in England, when you wear black pants and a white shirt, it usually means that you're on the rugby team or something and going out for a pint. Okay. So, or, or that you pretend to be on the rugby team. It usually means that you're some kind of fucking uh, hooligan, but you're not a chav, right? Sure. Um, and for those who don't understand what chav is, a chav is like a toothless piece of shit. It's like Gollum, but with like Adidas clothes on. Yeah, um, we just call those methods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they don't need to use meth in England because, you know, they already got fucked up teeth. Um, but, uh, God, this came off really racist. Uh, the English are fine people. Uh, the whole point is that uh, I was doing some stupid stuff, shaking a branch or something, and then a cop just grabbed my shoulder from behind and, like, turned me around, like, really violently, right? Oh, and he was just, like, uh, yelling at me, and I kind of, like instinctively went a little up in his face and was like, what the fuck is your problem? Cause I didn't realize it was a cop. Right. Sure. And then he was a little stunned by that. Cause he heard my accent. I wasn't British. And like normally in those kind of areas in England, like they can really like, they can really shit on the locals. Right. Yeah. But they can't shit on um, foreigners as well. Cause the whole town's economy hangs by a thread at the student university. So if you know, word of that gets back to like 
Norway, for instance, that's literally going to hurt their town because uh, they have a, a, a lot of their students come from Norway or other countries like China and stuff, you know. Basically, they don't want to have that kind of reputation. So um, I, I don't know what, but he be, became really uncomfortable with the fact that I wasn't English. And then he tried to like kind of go deeper in, you know, and he was like, have you been drinking? You know, and he, like sh- pushing into me and shouting and I hadn't had a single drop. So I was like, no, no, I haven't. And um, then he just kind of went like, oh, okay, well, stop it. And then he just kind of wa- wandered off in a, like, a huffy. And, you know, that's not really a big thing, you know, like uh, that's not really a huge confrontation. But the fact that after I realized that he was a cop and I realized I, I kind of like, I have to respect the fact that he's a cop. I can't like, it's not that I, I'm not one of those people who fight people uh, if I disagree with them. But it's really like, it's really nice to know that you have the ability to do so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, like, I, you, you say it's not a, a big confrontation, but I'm listening to that story is completely astounded because I can't imagine doing that to an American cop. I mean, you would. Well, you, no, no, no. But uh, I mean, yeah, like you, you'd get shot, wouldn't you? I, depends. <laughs> um, I, it would not go well. I mean, you would, you would probably at least be given a ticket of some kind, if not like brought in yeah, and kind of left overnight or something. I, I don't really know because I've never done that to a cop, but I, I can't imagine it being a super great idea. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I, I wasn't, uh, I, f- I felt really, 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 really like emasculated and off after it just because I could not fight him if I had to. Right. Yeah. And again, I don't fight people. I would not have fought him under almost any circumstances. It's just the no, no knowledge that you can. It's kind of like just castrating you in real time, right? Yeah. Uh, and it makes you really uncomfortable. It's, it's, like deal, it's like fighting with your parents, you know, when you're a kid. You know, you can't do jack shit, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, it's, it puts you in a really uncomfortable place. Uh, and I was really shook by it. So it's like I was kind of like shaky and uncomfortable for like a week after that. Um, and my friends were like, oh, well, you should report it. And then I was like, okay, I will. So I went there, sat in the queue. Uh, my then girlfriend was with me, uh, kind of like, you know, just supporting me through it. And, you know, I, I, I feel kind of like, especially considering this is like the year of George Floyd. It sounds really stupid that I was so shook by this, but I was. Um, and I, you know, I to- told them what time it was when it happened and everything, you know, and they said they'd get back to me. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, about like a few days later, I got an email, uh, where they explained that, uh, they had talked to the guy and they had given him like a slap on the wrist for it. And he had, uh, he had like relayed an apology through the email. Like, wow. yeah. And that made me feel better. Right. And get this, like his name was Lawson. That was like his name, officer <laughs> Lawson. So his career path was picked out. When it- yeah, he was born to be a cop. <laughs> and, you know, uh, well, now, now that I've, I, I had to say his name because it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing name for a cop to have. But I don't want to like shit on him. And when I'm pretending that he's ever going to hear about this or anyone he knows, so just in case, <laughs> you know, he, I don't want to shit on him. He did his job. It's just, he was a little zealous, a little overzealous in his job. 
Sure. Uh, like I wasn't supposed to be shaking that fucking branch. That was a stupid thing to do. He was yeah. in his rights just to tell me to fuck off. But I don't think he needed to grab my shoulder, and I don't think he needed to try and double down with the "Have you been drinking?" accusation when he felt in a corner. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's, he's looking for he's looking for something else to pin on the situation to explain it, so he can like validate yeah. grabbing you. Yeah, some kind of uh, some something that either discredits me if it becomes a thing or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's like, yeah. That's a that's a worthless anecdote to explain that I, I prefer fight over flight. <laughs> I really don't like flight. Flight makes me really uncomfortable. I will fight even if it's like guaranteed a loss. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I won't fight is like if it's like if 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 it's like it clearly makes you the bad guy in the situation if you fight. Like if you're having confrontation with a woman, you're not gonna fight her or you know like that right right yeah like you don't want to you don't want to give up completely you want to kind of stand your ground but you also kind of don't want to well there's there's yeah. varying degrees of confrontation like if you're there arguing is, dishes there yeah. should be no fist thrown i mean nah, i mean it shouldn't be even with guys like if you fist fight guys you stupid you're stupid well <laughs> especially over dishes <laughs> yeah yeah it's That's like good. it's very stupid you know, then you're, you're just, uh, you're a dummy, but it's just like, if someone, if someone is like physically threatening you, you don't want to be the one who like backs down. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that, Cause that, that's, that's a, that's a huge thing. Like I, I was, um, I, I was reading like, um, uh, a book by this guy, um, uh, Jordan Peterson, right. You know him? Oh, I certainly do. Yeah. He was, re- he, was, he was doing like a whole thing about lobsters, like how they have like a similar nervous system to humans or something because of, uh, way back, like 350 million years ago or some crazy number, we had a common ancestor, right? Yeah. And apparently like they have serotonin too. So if you give them like uh, anti-anxiety meds or something like that, you know, like Zoloft, I don't know. You give them some kind of drug that's good for your anxiety or something it will work on lobsters just like it works on people which is crazy to me because lobsters aren't people right um right but apparently the whole thing like that he was talking about was that uh it 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 has to do with like i i'm really talking out of my ass right now but it has a lot to do with um uh certain hormones are released when you win fights or you win stuff in general, when you feel the rush of victory, right? A lot of hormones are released. But other hormones are released when you lose. So that if you lose, you're more likely to lose again. And you, like, I think it's supposed to just either make you more uh, adaptable at dealing with loss or something. But anyway, when you lose, it makes you more likely to lose more. And when you win, it makes you like, more likely to win. Not because of like, just because of your like attitude, because the hormones that are released. So it's like that, that's why you get that rush when you win. You know, like you win a board game, you go like, yeah, fuck yeah, haha, I'm so tough, right? (laughs) Uh, But when you lose, you feel bad about it. You know, it makes you like, it lowers you as a person. Well, I, I think that's why a lot of, a lot of people who lose a lot end up really bitter, right? And people who win a lot and stuff, they go like, well, all you really need is a smile and a good attitude and life will come to you, you know? 
Yeah. Because Thank you for your attitude, Jacob. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, well, that, no, that, that, that's all, that's all interesting. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to give credence to your anecdote here because it, I don't think it's worthless at all because that with, you know, the animal example, I, I think that, um, first, I, I read something that said that loss is kind of like natural selection without having to die for it, where when you experience loss, as long as you're able to digest it in a, in a healthy way, you can use that to avoid similar mistakes in the future. And it's kind of natural selection for your actions. You have actions that you do and, you know, your, your, your parents do the best they can to teach you what actions are good and bad and which ones have consequences, but you have other ones that you may pick up and your parents can't, you know, get to, you know, discipline out of you or your friends teach you things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. And then you grow up and then real life consequences kind of have to sail in and teach you those things, you know, and you're able to reflect and say, Hey, you know what? I probably shouldn't have been shaking this branch and, and doing the things I was doing. So even though you're acknowledging that the cop was, may have done the wrong thing, you're able to say, well, I'm just, I'm just not going to, you know, fuck with public property in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, it was, it was, you know, it, it was, he, he wasn't just like running up to me for no reason. I, I definitely looked like a fucking lunatic. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I was, I was dressed kind of like they, they tend to be dressed the people that would cause real problems on the street in England. Right. The rugby players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm very, very tiny compared to a rugby player, but I do have broad shoulders. So I mean, maybe I could be one of the small rugby players, the ones that run between people's legs and throw stuff. Yeah. Throw, yeah. Um, but I, actually, I'm, I'm bullshitting. I'm not that small. In, in England, I was considered a tall person. Uh, in Norway, I'm a short, per, short person. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those big, uh, those big manly Vikings. Yeah, yeah, they they could ruin it for the rest of us who have to live there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, I like I like that part of England. I really like that part of England. I was a big guy in England. I was taller than the average in England. (laughs) It's like Alice in Wonderland, where everything is smaller than you. You know, tiny tiny cups and tiny chairs. (laughs) Yeah, that also helps when you're confronting people on the street that they are a little shorter than you. Yeah, don't take them seriously, though. Right. Well, it's easier to part to walk through a crowd too, because people kind of have to get out of your way. Yeah, and also you can kind of see where you're going through the crowd because you just look over them. <laughs> They're not that small. <laughs> they were that small in China. That they were actually. I was at the outside the Forbidden City in China. It was great because I could I could see where all my other Norwegian friends were by just kind of looking over the crowd. My friend said the same thing. He went. He was in China for a while, and he, he said that he was a lot taller than everybody else. Yeah, that's. I, I'd say it's honestly really really. It's, it's strange how easy it is to navigate the crowds there. <laughs> I have never been. Um, the... Oh, I would recommend it after we're done with the virus. China is such a beautiful place and the people are really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I would love to vacation there. Um, <clears throat> the, the thing you had said about animals though, I want, I want to go back to that because that is really interesting because animals are the best way to talk about instinct, right? Like we share yeah. a lot of commonalities and you can kind of see, how things have evolved over time by finding stuff that we share with other, with other stuff. And you had mentioned that, you know, if someone fails a lot that they wind up becoming bitter and yeah, you can also see the effect of bullies because if this cop had not sent you an apology, you would probably think a little less about 
the London police service, right? And the, the English police. And yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely. If, if you kept having those kinds of encounters, that would make you feel less and less about the service every time it happened to the point where you'd probably be past like a point of no return. And yeah, I would demand that they defund the police or something like that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but <laughs> with, with rats, rats do the exact same thing. So they found that rats can be just as nurturing as humans where they will take an invalid or a rat that obviously can't reproduce or uh, is angry or maimed or unable to care for themselves. And not just their mothers, but other rats will start taking care of them. They'll like bring them food and they'll help them out. Whereas they found that the opposite is true with bullying. So um, if there, there's some, so some psychologists put rats in a room with a mechanical bully that would kind of like push them, like shove them over and stuff and kind of, you know, go over and eat the food first. It would like kind of vacuum up some food and, and, and shove it out of the way. And the rat would cower in the corner and he wouldn't fight back or anything. So, but if they took that same rat and put it in a cage with a much smaller rat, that rat would become a bully. He would start, you know, put doing the exact same stuff, like, like, you know, nibbling on their ears and, and, and That's amazing. Over. Yeah. It's cool. And it, That's so cool. It, it kind of shows not just the effects of like long-term bullying, but just, but long-term negativity from every source you can, you can have, you, you can be in a brutal environment and come out of it an angry, bitter person. Yeah. Isn't that just what incels are basically? I think so. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. you're, you're experiencing a type of loss, sexual loss, I, I would say, you know, like, it, yeah. And then they see like a bunch of ads on TV that uh, insinuates everyone is getting laid and they're like, but I'm not getting laid. And then they get the furious and they drive a truck into a bunch of people. <laughs> right. Right. And the, like the Chad, the, the Chad stands for, it's just a symbol of all the guys that are doing the thing that they want to do. And it is their mechanical bully. They're just, they're giving it a name. They're saying my mechanical bully is the Chad and now I'm going to pick on other people. Yeah. Little dicks. You know, I really like this, this fun fact about the rats you told me, because I've always loved rats. Rats are just really adorable. They're kind of like little people because they have thumbs. Yeah. You know, they have their little hands too. They're like little pink hands. It, it makes you know? me sad. They're so cute and they're they, so like, they smart. They eat with their hands too, like we do. Yeah, yeah. Like a rat really like a washes their hands, but a, but a rat is still, they don't wash their hands, but they, they do use them in much the yeah. same. No, I mean, rats are famous for not being very clean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We lost a large portion of Europe back in the day to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if rats washed their hands, that that could possibly not have happened. Sure, sure. I, although I think it was the fleas that they carried around too. I don't think washing their hands would help with the fleas. No, it was it was the fleas and the lice uh, because uh, like you're not gonna get you're not gonna get plague from a rat directly. Like when is that gonna happen? When do you ever like when do you ever share blood with a rat? Right. You know you don't except for when the flea that bit the rat bites you. And rats are scared of people. You know they're not gonna interact with people, but they are gonna crawl through our beds every now and then and uh, into our clothes and we if we don't wash the clothes the fleas are going to live in those clothes I'll, I'll tell you my my animals both got fleas at one point my i have a cat and a dog and they got fleas one time and 
washing my hands did not make them go away. <laughs> I had to do other things. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stop pissing on the rats for the, the, the Black Death. It is not... Uh... It was not fair of me. No amount of hand washing could have could have prevented that. <laughs> um, you know, there was there was a there was actually a study where they found that they studied a whole bunch of tribes, and they were it was a it was a group. Um, it, it was run by this guy named James Prescott, and what he did was he studied uh, cultures that were prone to violence, and what he found was that it was, I mean, dozens and dozens of tribes that are removed from society that, that can form better controls than just, you know, because if, if you try to take a random town in Germany or America or something, you're going to wind up with all sorts of crazy, like cultural influences. People are more interconnected. You have to take like religion into account and all that. Um, so he studied several dozen tribes. And what he found was the cultures that tended to be much more violent had a lot less um, uh, touching, hugging, signs of affection between the parents and the child. And it it was actually the affection between parents and the children that seemed to have the greatest correlation with whether or not that society was violent. Okay, so this explains Germany perfectly then. (laughs) So... I'm not familiar with Germany or or Germans in general, so I, I can't I can't say one way or the other. Well, I uh, they 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 started two world wars. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a thing they did. Yeah, yeah. And they they're did. still bragging about their cars, but you know what? Volkswagen made made vehicles for Hitler too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And Fanta is just Hitler juice. Oh God. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Not the, not, not, not the like camp juice, but you know, like juice as in orange, squeeze it. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, because they couldn't get cola, right? Sure. They couldn't get, they couldn't get the cola syrup in because of the embargo when they were at war with, uh, with uh, the West. Well, they are the West, too. You know what I mean? They were at war with America, so they can't get cola juice. So they had to be like, okay, well, we have the Coke factory in Germany. What do we do? Just orange stuff. And they made uh, Fanta, which is Hitler soda. Fanta is Hitler soda. That's, that's yeah. crazy. I know, and it's so good too. It's kind of better than Coke. <laughs> this is not. This is not a <laughs> endorsement for the Nazi ideology. It's. I'm just saying they make a good soda. Yeah. No, we already have. I mean, we already have our product endorsements, so there's no way that. Yeah. <laughs> they have to pay us yeah. if they want an ad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will. We will. If we're we're gonna promote nazi soda the least they could do is at least send us a couple of bottles yeah well and 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 money they're gonna have to if it's gonna be nazi soda it's definitely gonna have to include a cash endorsement i'm not yeah some swiss gold please (laughs) or or a really nice swiss timepiece i mean i would take like a Tissot. yeah as long as it's not a cuckoo clock those things are just weird no i I don't want to hear i don't want to hear it ticking either when i'm walking by because that's that's like a staple horror movie sound it is. It is. It's very scary. It's very scary. Taps, like, uh, taps into my primal fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then then the, the the second you know it hits twelve, like a little thing pops out and starts streaking at you. You know that's like, no. Yeah, no, I'm doing dishes at at around midnight a lot of times. You know, I'm I've got. Oh God. Well, <laughs> I can't have that. <laughs> what if I didn't turn the radio on? I don't want to be scared. <laughs> yeah, I just tick. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Throw it out the window. It's gone. 
<laughs> right, right. And I think I think about that. Like I think about uh, the types of feelings I have throughout the day, and I wonder. Sometimes I, I sit and think, you know, I'll be happy or sad or scared. I think fear is very, very primal, but I have other ones like laziness where I'm feeling lazy and I can't get myself to do the things I want to do. And I wonder, am, is this a product of evolution since like, do chimps get lazy? And, they do. Yeah. Chimps get lazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the laziness goes way back. It goes really far yeah. back. Um, so funny. Yeah, no. yeah, you told me you told me about the you told me about the the the, the lazy ants. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the ant thing is actually really cool because um and this is a, this is another way I think you can you can kind of draw a comparison between people and really fundamental creatures because you know like uh, everybody knows Australian or certain types of frogs they will change gender to match the needs of the environment they're in. Um yeah. Ants can do that more fundamentally. They can change, they can change pheromones and, and their, their jobs. Like if, a, if the queen dies or something happens to, to the store of eggs or whatever, you can, a worker can actually transform into a queen and start exuding proper chemicals. And That's crazy though. That's insane that they can just like go full on, like just change what they are completely. Isn't it though? Like so insane. Could you imagine just being like, you know what? I want to be an athlete right now. And your muscles just like Dragon Ball Z style Hulk up. And now yeah. you're just a buff guy. <laughs> yeah. Like what if you're like, you're in a small town and there's just like a bunch of dudes at a party. Right. And they're like, this party is really boring. Like you, you four, can you just turn into women right now? You know? And they go like, Oh sure. No problem. You know? And they just like physically change. Like they met, just do a whole metamorphosis thing. I mean, we kind of do it intellectually. Like in in uh, in Ohio, there was a, there was this little known guy, at least little known at the time. He was a drunk, you know. It was, it was like the mid nineteenth century, and yeah. he started a farm, went under. He started trying to do real estate, did not happen. He joined the army, and he left the army, and he didn't really tell anybody why. And everybody's like, hmm probably didn't do that great of a job you know so he went back to his dad's store he's a terrible salesman he didn't know the products even that all his he didn't know all the products his dad had and he was a pretty sort of un like notorious alcoholic everybody knew he hit the bottle pretty hard and then he went on to become one of the civil war's most famous generals and became president and that was ulysses grant and so really yeah <laughs> so holy shit yeah, he am Ulysses is like 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 an ad for people who uh, who are like insecure about being late bloomers. Jesus. Yeah, I mean Lincoln's another one. Lincoln failed a whole bunch of businesses and became president. And I think hey, just like Trump, he failed a bunch of businesses and he still became president. Yeah, but Lincoln was a good president. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the subject. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah. That's a totally different podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not go in, but in about that. Um, but but yeah, I think that, that that humans can have some sort of a metamorphosis, and and you know they found that some people, as long as it's not a real real chronic problem, some people can become, you know, their bodies can start producing more serotonin and dopamine. Or, or their levels will balance out because it's possible to have too much. But, you know, that if with a more healthy outlook on life, that a really positive attitude can chemically change you, 
so you can adapt to an environment. Now, I'm not saying that you can just be like, hey, you know, mental, mental illness, I'm going to start thinking positively and it goes away. That's not really how that works. But you yeah, can't pull yourself like, out of lifelong. All you need to do is drink more water, you know. Um, I mean, that, that does help, though. But uh, what's uh, interesting about that is that that's a, that's a, I don't remember where I heard this. It might actually have been from the same fucking book with uh, Peterson talking, actually. Um, uh, it was, it was uh, something about you have a bunch of genes that are not unlocked. Like you have a bunch of dormant genes in your body. Everyone does. Uh, and when, you ex- when you're exposed to new experiences, uh, they basically kind of activate Mm. Uh, and so there is literally there is literally truth there's like literal truth in in that whole thing people say when they tell you that you should go out and explore more because you'll evolve evolve as a person you know evolve as a person oh that's crazy i want i wonder to what extent that that's the case you know what i mean i wonder how yeah here that is it is it is it like dna waking up and, and growing new brain cells or is it just or is it like well i uh, honestly he, he went into detail on it but my attention span is uh is, is, is it's pretty fucking fragmented um <laughs> but it's uh it, it was just very fascinating it was very fascinating he went into great detail about it I, I would, i'd recommend like checking out out if if that's even where i got the thing from i think it's from where they got the thing from and, and, and yeah you got a bunch of dormant genes when you ex- get exposed to a new experience you literally change. You literally change, like biologically. Yeah. Well, and, and to the flip side of that, going back to the ants, because I want to talk about the lazy ants. The lazy ants are awesome. Um, yeah. So having having these dormant things wake up is, is a very primal thing for, it feels like a primal thing for a human to do, you know? Um, but ants have a very human thing that seems like it should be human specific. And they will have... If, so... Every, most species of ants have a subset of their population that is lazy. And they, they have almost a bureaucracy. Like when certain ants, when they, bring, when they bring food in, they have different chambers that are used for different activities. And they'll have <laughs> kind of like little bureaucrats who will, you know, an ant will bring in some food. And if it's a real choice, you know, piece of, of crumb, they'll send that off to the queen. You know, and so they'll divvy up ba- food based on need and, and other stuff that they bring in building materials. If, if they use certain building materials to like they chew up, you know, and, and, and pack the dirt in a certain way or whatever. Um, so, so they'll, they'll direct it. But they're actually, they're also a subset of ants that are just lazy and they won't do anything. So the more successful uh, an anthill is, they will, they'll, they'll have more, a larger percentage that are lazy and to test out to what extent this laziness is a problem mentally, uh, some researchers, they did this over and over again. They took uh, the lazy ants and they dumped them in a new anthill, new controlled environment. And a whole bunch of the ants realized they weren't getting food, like nothing was getting done. And so the ants started working. And it went back proportionally, you know, if like 5% of the ants were lazy, I don't know what the percentage was, but it, you know, five or 10% were lazy. Then in the new anthill, the other 90% started working and there was still a subset of lazy ants that just sat around and did nothing and ate, ate the food that was brought in. This sounds a lot like human society. It does. And, yeah. and that's why it's so I, cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so stunned by this. 
like just the fact that they have kind of like their own little welfare system. So the better they are doing, the more people are kind of getting lazy. Yeah. You know? That's that's kind of like Norway. I'm one of the lazy ants. <laughs> I can relate to an ant. I can really deeply relate to an ant. God, I got to find a job soon. You, you'll have to watch out the next time you step on one. Be like, ah, man. Yeah, I hope I didn't kill a little Joe. Um, <laughs> that, guy, that guy was going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He still had a chance. That's what I keep telling myself in the mirror. Um, <laughs> oh, I think maybe I need some scientists to pick me up and put me in a new hill so I, I get uh, get a reason to do stuff. I mean, you can come to America. There's a lot to do here. I uh, don't need it that badly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there are other ways to find purpose huh <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's probably a ditch that needs to be dug somewhere uh no i don't want to shit on america america's a nice place i said never having been that's, that's fair that's fair i i i enjoy it here and it, it's but it sounds like there's a lot to envy in your culture as well <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think i think i think like like if you go for like the maslow's pyramid of needs Norway's pretty sweet, right? But it's like the last, the tip of the pyramid is, is a fucking rough one. You know, self-realization. That's always going to be a rough one. Yeah. And uh, that, that's uh, like, that's, that is pretty, that, that is a pretty big problem when you have all your other needs could, like just dealt with. Yeah. So I think the suicide rate in Norway is, is ridiculously high. In, in America, I think it's, it's, the challenge is that because a lot of base needs are not met, that climbing to the top of that pyramid and finding self-actualization, you're just too tired. You know, I, I know a lot of people that just come home, they don't have any gas in the tank. And I, I, I remember, I remember telling my one friend, I was like, Hey, you know, check out this movie. It's a great movie. And he's like, yeah, sure. And he got home. He's like, let's watch it on zoom. I'll come home. We'll watch it on Zoom, and and you know we can kind of watch it together, just talk. And we got he got home that night, and he just he just stared at the wall. I was like, "Hey, do you want to watch a movie?" He's like, "Not really." I was like, "Do you want to talk?" He's like, "He goes, I, I'll I'll text on the phone, or well, we can talk on the phone, but I'm not going to get up and go to my computer. I just I just kind of want to sit and stare." <laughs> you know? Jesus, that's so grim. I, I don't uh, think I think a larger and larger percentage is moving that direction. But I think there are still a lot of people in America that can still have a lot of agency. So I, I don't want, I don't want to crap on America too much either because um, although I feel, I might feel a little more vindicated doing so since I live here. <laughs> yeah. I, that's the thing, right? Like it's your tribe. So you, you feel more comfortable crapping on it than having other people crap on it. Yeah. You know? It's like, um, yeah, yeah, like you, you, you might have a lot, like a lot of shit to say about your family, but someone else saying shit about your family—that's like that, that's fighting words, you know? Oh yeah, gloves off. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like if you, if you, if you said that, like America, if you, if you started throwing broad strokes generalizations about Americans, like all Americans are this or that, I mean, that would, I, I would, I would probably be upset. It would, it would hurt a little because. Oh yeah, that's very typical of Americans to be so upset. No. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a brief interlude it's time it's time to give a shout out to our advertiser uh today's episode is brought to you by smith's prosthetics creating glittering designer body parts since 1969 give yourself a hand <laughs> i don't even know all right anyway um going back to going back to primal instinct 
I want to ask you a question because this is something I think about too. Yeah. Do you think that humans, do you think that there are any examples of humans evolving right now? Like if we were in the middle of evolving, what do you think those evolutions are or what, what do you think we need to evolve in order to get to the next step of humanity? Uh, the thing is that, like, from what I know about evolution, which is, you know, not an impressive amount, it's like, it, it's basically almost purely sexual selection, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it is for us because we don't have to fight for our food anymore. Well, some of us, most no, of us. No, but even, even that is kind of sexual selection because it's, it's just like, you know, maybe I'm abusing the word sexual selection, but it's like, uh if you if you if you if you're not able to feed yourself or survive the radiation storms, you're not going to get laid and have kids, right? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that makes um, sense. Well, yeah. even, even if you don't make as much money, people are more attractive the more successful they are. So I think success. That, they they are more attractive the more successful they are, but that's not how evolution works because poor people have a lot more kids. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. But evolution doesn't necessarily have to be like always like an improvement upon the last thing, as long as it survives and works, you know, like, I think, I think, uh, I think people are getting dumber. Well, I don't think people are getting dumber than they were, but I think people will be getting dumber now that our living standards are so high and education doesn't have to be. So our, it, like your education is not connected to your living standard anymore. Like your abilities to survive. Yeah. And dumb people don't use condoms and they fuck a lot. <laughs> I, mean, so I think the people who have those traits, as long as, as long as society, as long as we have like 10% of people who can run society basically and make sure that everyone gets their welfare check. Um, uh, then I, 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 I think in general people are like, I think we're going to see more poverty. I took, I took a class on this and, and it, it, this was uh, not on this specifically, but I took a class that had a philosophy class and they talked, we talked about Schopenhauer and I very specifically remember the teacher talking about how one of Schopenhauer's big theories on like how you can determine if somebody is, because he talked about a, he talked about kind of like a super organism organism or we did in class and then we related him to the topic. But anyway, the superorganism is this idea that there's that that humanity is an organism and we all just make it up like we're individual cells and this isn't like a super like new uh, th this has been observed in a whole bunch of different ways like there was a there was a pretty famous book called the soul of the white ant and it was published in like the 1930s and there soul is this the red ant this the soul of the white ant i'm sorry did i say red oh. No, I may have misheard. Okay. Anyway, it's the soul of the white ant. And it was this uh, African biologist and he was, he studied termites and he said, you know, it's, it's better because the termite society is so focused on the health of the whole colony. It's a lot better to think of the colony as a super organism where some termites function as the mouth and the digestive system 
and some termite because they will like process food and prep it for other termites and some are the claws and the teeth you know some of them are fighters and they defend the the the, the colony so oh, that's cool that's kind of uh yeah yeah and, like or, or ants that ants, ants. I love ants apparently but there there's you know ants that will build bridges out of their bodies and so that way they can cross rivers and in that process tons of ants fall to their death but more importantly most of the ants do not so those ants that gave themselves up for the rest of them the the health of the ant colony is more important than the individual ant and so that is literally how people work too like a lot of people died in the like uh, when they built the you know golden gate bridge or any other big bridge yeah yeah exactly so so when you have a project like that or probably have a better mortality rate than ants well <laughs> and it's, I hope so. it is we we do um but there's kind of the same thing going on so if you have you know the pyramids if those were built by slave labor and you have a pharaoh telling them you guys oh, need to build this pyramid immediately, immediately i gotta say though i gotta dispel that because it was they weren't built by slaves oh yeah, pyramids were never built by slaves. That's like been debunked like 20, 30 years ago. Okay, yeah, well then, yeah. that's yeah. Today, one of today's one of those, 3,000. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that are kind of like, uh, there's like old, so, certain stories like the Prince of Egypt and stuff, they just kind of like promote that. But uh, that, was not, that was never the case. Uh, it was built by skilled contractors. Uh, and uh, like... The people who died during the construction of uh, the pyramids, they got graves uh, near the pyramid, like in view of the pyramid, which was a high honor. And they were usually buried with like jewels and gemstones and shit. That's really cool. I did not That's know. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's take some other theoretical project that was built by people who were unwilling to contribute. That's what, one of the things that we talked about in this class was that those people who are directed to do these things... Um, it, the the person who directs them to do it is like an organ, you know, like the heart or liver or whatever. You know, every time you drink, it hurts your liver a little bit. And some cells die for the cause, you know, and the, and the liver is famous for regenerating. So that's kind of, that's kind of like very important people are kind of like an organ. And that's what, you know, that's one of the reasons we study them in history because they're the ones that stand out. And then, the people that die for the cause are dying for the super organism. Like the, 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 the astronauts who died in the Challenger expo explosion in 1986, those people, they died. It was very tragic. It was awful. And the best thing you can say about what they did was they contributed to science in the name of doing something they believed in. That's the best way you can spin it. And did it make NASA more safe and careful after that? You, you bet it did. And so there, there's part of a super organism thing going on there. Um, yeah, not everyone can be Neil Armstrong, right? Everyone can contribute in their own way. That's right. That's right. If, yeah. If you didn't have people blowing up and shit, then we wouldn't get the greats to go where they're supposed to go. And, and while, and, and while I'm, you know, thinking about the great people of history, I'll remember that when I'm unclogging my toilet, like this is for the betterment of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> unclogged toilet. That's one cell turning cancerous right there. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. 
I, well, and you you had you brought up the point a, a couple of times that that uh, you have multiple strains of cancer in your body. It's just that your body has self defense mechanisms to root out the cancerous cells and toss them to the wind, and that actually, keeps you safe. You, you're, you're, the cells themselves actually do that on their own. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, like all the time, you have, you have like ten thousand cancer right in you right now, like just tons of different cancer all over your fingernails. Get cancer. You get cancer everywhere. Uh, but your cells, uh, when they get cancerous, they are kind of programmed to commit suicide, like cellicide. They kill themselves. So that's, and, like, that's like a murder. That's like a serial killer turning himself in. Yeah, it, it, exactly. They turn themselves in before they can do too much damage. But when you do get cancer, that's basically like if you ha live an unhealthy diet or you're with a bunch of radiation or something like that. And your cells are not as strong. They're not as good at doing what they're supposed to do. They, that, that function can be overridden or they're just not able to do it in time. So when you weaken your body through like a shitty diet or you know, through sitting next to a pile of uranium, uh, you're basically just weakening your cell's ability to hit the button. You know, like if there's a stopping, if there's a button for self-destruction, you just broke the guy's legs and he's not reaching the button because you ate fucking McDonald's for breakfast. <laughs> uh, so what happens is that the cell essentially becomes uh, like an empty cell. So like, uh, well, uh, I'm saying this in the most layman terms possible. It becomes like uh, a cell that is just not producing anything, right? A cancer cell is simply a, like a skin cell that doesn't produce anything or something like that. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do, but it still consumes resources like all the other cells do. Yeah. Right. And then they multiply and it, it just, since they're not doing what they're doing, like they're not actually creating the thing they're supposed to be creating. They're not turning into stuff they're supposed to be turning into. They just turn into this lump that keeps siphoning resources from the rest of your cells. Sure. So all of your energy is, that's why cancer people, they like kind of like, literally eats away at you because it's basically just consuming all your resources into a tumor instead oh that's cool and terrifying yeah way. yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like super lazy cells just taking all the resources oh jesus yeah. and we're back to the lazy ants and the welfare system <laughs> no <laughs> well what the, the where i was going with the, the schopenhauer thing is that um he one of like one of the big things that Schopenhauer talked about was free will and, and humans having agency. And he said that what made a person a true individual was when they their intellect overrode their will. So one of the things about his his philosophy is that um, intellect is subservient to will. That most people's intelligence is more or less dormant. What school tries to do is make you aware of how to learn. It's not just what you learn. So when people are like, well, why do I need to learn algebra? I'll never use it to figure out a shopping list. And that's true. But what it's really trying to do is make you confident about learning and you learn how to learn. You learn how to do, absorb more difficult con, uh, constructs and to yeah. use those constructs to generate new information. And, you know, what, what, what this, you know, when you were talking about, um, you're, you know, waking up and having parts of your genes and in your genetic material coming alive. He actually kind of says that where he says that a, a person, he describes them as like a genius. When they say, if a person is a genius, their intellect wakes up and it, it becomes 
so important to the to the individual that it overrides free will and he connects he does a lot to connect free will he doesn't i don't think he describes a superorganism but he he connects it to society and and that free will is partially determined by what society needs and that people you know nobody it's it's like the it's like in off uh, office space the movie where he says nobody wants to be a janitor like when, when people fill out those like what do you want to be when you grow up everybody says an astronaut or whatever but nobody's like I want to be a janitor and clean up shit for a living and uh, you know Schopenhauer's point is that um, in order to be individualistic you have to wake up your intellect and have it overwhelm your free will or your will your will to serve. Uh, society and your will to be a cell. So it would almost like, in, in a way, and if, if I'm interpreting it in the worst way possible, I could say like the cancerous cell, it's like a cancerous cell that doesn't kill itself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because now it's decided that itself is in its own growth is more important than the superorganism. I, I just want to say something real quick. I'm not critical of the welfare state. <laughs> I just realized I may have sounded like that by describing cancer cells and stuff like that way, but it's just a funny comparison to me. I'm very much in favor of the welfare state. Well, I, I would like to say that I am in favor of, of intellect and I don't think that it's a cancer on society. So that, I think we should, <laughs> that's my yeah. caveat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we both have things to apologize for, but yeah. remember, Mistakes will be made. <laughs> yeah, it's all a moot point in the end. It's all a moot point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't listen to us for facts and information. You're doing yourself a disservice. Right. Listen, listen to us for entertainment and and tortured facts that you can get wrong when you try to repeat them later, because we didn't get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, I read I read an article. Um, I'm going to be kind of vague here, but I read an article that said that humans are evolving a totally inert and pointless bone that's coming out because that, that has started to develop in some humans that because of cell phone use, that people are looking down so much that a new bone growth is appearing in, 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 a, lot of, in a lot of people. And it's tiny right now, but it's a new evolution that didn't exist before. It's benign. It doesn't affect your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't as far as they know, it currently doesn't harm you in any way, but they think that it, this bone is, is developing because of looking down a lot. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And because you, you had said that like not all evolution is necessarily helpful. Yeah. And I think that's a really good example of it not being very useful because, you know, if I want to be a really fast runner, longer legs, better muscles, and, you know, maybe even a third leg. You know, spiders crawl really fast. What if I ate? I already have a third leg. No. Yeah, that is really interesting. You know, it is it's funny because there's a lot of, like, a lot of little bits of evolution. Like, they, it, we, we think anything we evolve is going to have a use, right? We like to think that it's all there for a reason, right? Yeah. It isn't necessarily. A, a lot of it is just there and it doesn't like, it doesn't like directly inhibit you from doing your thing. Yeah. Like 
like I think blue ice is an interesting uh, example there. You know, blue ice are just kind of like just uh, functionally, they're just inferior to brown ice. Really? How yeah, so? Like very, very mildly functionally. But blue ice is just literally a, a layer of melanin missing from your eye. Like if you take away one more layer, then you got red eyes because then you can see the blood directly. Oh, you that's cool. I would like red eyes. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, but you would also be <laughs> fucked if you looked at the, anything that had sun. Right, which is why albinos have red eyes, by the way. Um, but yeah, like brown eyes is just like uh, it's just uh, more protection for your eyes. Like you're more susceptible to like sun damage on your eyes. Like you get blinded more easily if you have blue eyes. Yeah, which may because the iris is the whole point of the iris is to uh, reflect light into the pupil, and blue is a more reflective color. It's a lighter color, right? Sure. Uh, but that I, I like it's it's just you're missing you're missing a layer of protection essentially you're more you're more at risk for just getting like damage from the sun and stuff like that on your eyes but the reason why blue eyes is quite like common like in europe right like it, it, everywhere from like north of italy and up it gets more and more common it's because it get basically uh, as it's darker it's less detrimental and also since humans communicate with our faces, our eyes specifically, and blue eyes give you kind of a more intense gaze, uh, there's just like sexual selection where that where people have found that to be interesting. Like, yeah, they've just they've just found a preference for that at some point, and it hasn't it hasn't like obviously fucked you up in any way. Yeah. So it's it's like if someone were born with like purple hair. Uh, it gives you no advantage whatsoever. But if it became interesting to people, you'd see a lot more people with that gene because they would fuck that person more. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and it's funny because you think that evolution is this, you know, some, and, and in some ways it is, that evolution is these massive multi-million year order of magnitude changes where, you know, if we share things with ants and rats, obviously evolution has come a long way to produce us. So there is a giant distance between something like that, but yeah, there are quicker things and the types of lives that we, the types of lives that we lead, if, if you make it culturally acceptable to not hug your kids, if the science says that that leads to more violence in society, then you might wind up starting down a road that changes people in, you know, 10 generations or whatever, or less, I don't know. Um, like, so being a product of our environment, you can see that in animals changing pretty quickly. So there's, there's a term called industrial melanism where the uh, animals will change due to industry. So one of the famous examples um, are, are, is the peppered moth. What that was, it was observed in England um, and, and not just one species of moth, but it was multiple species. And they found that the moth became darker over time, went from like a, a white tan sort of brown, light brown color to dark gray, almost black. And the reason this happened was because ash and soot and pollution from the industrial revolution started covering trees in certain areas of England. And that's interesting. Yeah, so you know, it was it became a thing where people or, or where 
the, the, the moth was hiding from predators better. And so the ones that hid from predators were the ones that, you know, were surviving to reproduce because they weren't white against a gray background. Yeah. So uh, they basically, the ones that were born a little, like a little different, they got to go on and uh, have sex with all the other different moths because the, the, the flashy moths, they just got eaten by birds. Right. And so different became the same over time. And I, I actually kind of see that socially with nerd culture, because when I was growing up, it, you know, you, you, you didn't bring comic books to school. You didn't talk about the Avengers. You didn't, you know, admit to liking RPGs, you know, that kind of stuff. There was a whole D and D I knew people, parents of my friends who thought D and D would still, they, they still thought that D and D would turn you into some like raving lunatic that couldn't stop LARPing. And, and it was like destructive to your psyche. And Which it does, but yeah, you know. <laughs> it can't. I mean, I, th <laughs> I think that that, <laughs> that kind of brain, it's not D and D's fault as much as the brain is susceptible to certain triggers and it, it got, you know, pulled into a yeah. fantasy world that it was some fantasy world was going to get them eventually. <laughs> you know? yeah, like it, it was, it was either going to be heroin or D and D, but you were fucked from the beginning. <laughs> right. So, um, but, but over time, culturally that has shifted and some of it may be due to just cultural attitudes changing. And maybe that's not an evolutionary thing, but I might argue that, I actually think, and this is my tinfoil hat theory, I, I don't really have any evidence to, you know, I'm not a psychologist or sociologist or in any sort of ologist that can give credence to this, but I kind of think that socially people are evolving as a species and that in order for the human species to survive, it needs to recognize itself more as a superorganism, and it needs to start working together more. It needs to kind of suppress violence. Because I think violence is violence in extreme hyper competitiveness has gotten us to where we are today. And, and I've heard people argue, you know, primal sort of that that whole I'm a man and being a man is being these things. And they list off, you know, not terribly great attributes. And yes, it may have gotten us to this point, but we're not we don't live that kind of life anymore. We're not we're not trying to like steal bananas from our neighbors so we can survive and keep our tribe going. Like we don't have that <laughs> dynamic. And in order for the human species to move forward, it doesn't have to just physically evolve, but emotionally and socially we need to evolve too. And every time like when I think about the superorganism, I think about like the biggest detriments to it are the biggest detriment to democracy is fear. You know, having somebody, a populist, stand up on a podium and, and yell all these, you know, things that get people riled up and angry and violent. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's the end of my rant there. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like, you think you just think about how like how like chimps and shit like how they interact with each other you know like they, we we don't we don't make enough allowances for how similar we are to so many different animals right we like to think we're really special and really different but like us us basically arguing with another country over some resource somewhere it's really the differences between 
that and some chimps going to war over territories is negligible. You know, that, that is a fa- that's fascinating because Jane Goodall, okay, so <laughs> Jane Goodall studied chimps, you know, fam- yeah. and once she followed this tribe of chimps for years, I mean, a really long time, and it was a, it was a tribe that did exceptionally well. They had, you know, healthy babies. They had, uh, you know, a, an overabundance of stuff. And just like the ants, there was a lazy subset of chimps. Some of, some of them were a little weaker. You know, the, the males, since the males fought for, there, there was a hierarchy. You know, the males were fighting for you know, trying to climb to the top. So what, what wound up happening after, and it was devastating to her because she started <laughs> feeling em- deep empathy for, for, the, for her subjects that she was studying. Um, the males, the, the extra aggressive ones, and the extra attractive females, and, and the, the chimps that had it all going on, they expelled a good portion of their tribe. Like they sent them off, like a, a, a sizable double digit percentage, like 30, 40%, sent them off into the jungle to form a new tribe. And they kept their good territory with their overabundance of resources. So the new tribe formed. And they started getting together and, and, and rebuilding their, making their, carving out their new society. And before long, of course, there, there were clashes between the two tribes. And they started competing. They started competing for food, for females, all the usual suspects. And yeah. what wound up happening is the dominant society with the better attributes slaughtered the second tribe, just murdered them all. Um, just gr- brutally, in, in very awful, violent ways, just tore them to pieces. And so, it was, it was sad. It was, I mean, it's a very terrible thing to have happen. And but it also is kind of illuminating because I, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of that that we can observe in society, human societies all over the planet. Like there, there are subsets of people living together, and. I think part of the reason why I feel the superorganism needs to evolve socially is because people do think that they're beyond their primal instincts, but we actually have to be <laughs> because otherwise we're going to keep killing each other. Yeah. Unless we get aliens to attack us basically. Yeah. That's what it would take, right? It would have to be an external threat that would unite everybody because otherwise we have to overcome that tribalism ourselves which is not, you know, that's not just something that you do. You can't just like, it's like telling yourself not to be depressed. Yeah, yeah, we we, we can't, I I think humans as general just cannot get over tribalism. I think, I think that's impossible. I think it's what makes us who we are. Uh, I think we need to have, uh, we need to have enemies. I think we can. I think that we have to continue evolving. I think we need to recognize that, that we're still tethered to all these primal instincts and that we're, and, and that, yes, we're at this point, let's recognize the point we're at. And then let's, let's purposely evolve because I think, you know, evolution is treated as like this passive thing that happens. You know, you, you may, maybe you're, maybe the deaths are very active, you know, maybe the, the people who are dying don't feel it's passive, but um, I think you can cognitively recognize that evolution is further evolution is needed and push for it. And, and I think what we really need to do is we need to colonize Mars, let Mars build itself up, <laughs> and then I think we need to declare war on Mars. 
I think that's going to happen. I think, you know, a colony on Mars would be great, but just wait until they come back and they're like, hey, you're trading with us wrong. Why are you taxing us? Why do we have to send food? Like, you know, I... I, I yeah, just a bunch of Martians going, no taxation without representation. And Earth going, fuck you, you're ours, we made you. And then they just dump all the tea into space. <laughs> How dare you get rid of our tea and coffee? You know, I think we, we, we might not be the first ones to make this observation, but for future historians, if they find our podcast first, I just want to let them know it was our idea. We called yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, made, we made Mars happen. The interplanetary war of 2400. <laughs> yeah, we're the first ones who ever thought of an interplanetary war. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, I mean, we also thought of Star Wars, since we're going to take credit for things. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I'm still <laughs> waiting for my royalties from Star Wars. Fucking uh, George is not get, getting back to me. Yeah, I've written him multiple letters, and, and he yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> wrote him a letter telling him that I didn't think Jar Jar Binks was that funny and he just never replied so I'm guessing it, he really took it badly <laughs> I like to imagine he has got that letter framed in like a shame closet I hope so because if not I'll just have to send him another letter <laughs> yeah no I, I don't think I've ever written anyone a letter I, I, I've written I still have some uh, I, write, I write some letters I have a letter from that I wrote the George, the, the, the George W. administration when I was in. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do. It's, it's, it's dated like two, 2000, 1999, 2000, like middle school. I wrote him a thing about the environment and he sent it back and it was a form letter or whatever, but I thought it was cool. I, I, I like put it on my wall with a thumbtack and hung it there. <laughs> I, like how, I like how optimistic you were. <laughs> right. that's, that's really sweet. You're like writing a letter to them and then going like, okay. He's going to get back to me. Right. Uh, okay, we're going to get some changes done around here. <laughs> I don't think my letter helped. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe you're exacerbated the situation. That's true. Maybe he's like, oh, these, these damn kids. Uh, I'll show them. <laughs> yeah. He was like really stressed out because Bush didn't really seem like he really knew what was going on. So maybe he was just really stressed out. And then he's like, okay, okay, okay. Let's just take a deep breath. Let's just think this through and read this letter and oh god there's nothing to do i gotta declare another war you know? <laughs> no you know what i think just, if anybody was gonna be vindictive about a letter like that it would have been cheney <laughs> oh yeah now with bush i'm kind of using hanlon's racer i'm just like expecting I, I i expect stupidity over malice there but uh, with uh with the uh, cheney uh, like that 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 guy he's he's basically a vampire he, he's he's basically Creedy from V for Vendetta. You know, along came a spider. <laughs> Comes out of the shadows. <laughs> I need to see, watch that movie again because all I remember is that the mask is bulletproof somehow. <laughs> no, ideas are bulletproof. Oh, oh, the mask wasn't bulletproof? I don't think so, but he was wearing, I mean, he was kind of cheating. He had body armor, so he wasn't relying on just his ideas. <laughs> no, that's kind of, that, 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 that is sneaky though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the body armor was his idea, wasn't it? That's true. He had yeah. the idea to wear the body armor, so maybe his ideas did protect him. Yeah, I mean, it's getting a little abstract from the, the point <laughs> he's trying to make, but still, still. Uh, point's smooth. It doesn't matter. <laughs> point's smooth. <laughs> uh, did you, did you have anything about chimps? I was saying something about chimps, for, actually. Uh, what I think a really interesting thing. God, I can't speak. Okay, I slapped myself. I'll reset. Uh, 
So what I think is really interesting about chimps is that they have empathy. We've demonstrated they have empathy. Because that's the thing. A lot of that when you talk about empathy with animals, you're anthropomorphizing. And a lot of the time you might be. But with chimps, they actually demonstrably have empathy. Uh, there was a really interesting thing I saw a couple of years ago that uh, I have I, I showed to so many people. It's basically um, these two chimps in a tribe uh, where one of the chimps' uh, hair, I think, I don't remember which one was the guy who got slaughtered. I think maybe it was Grappelli. Uh, so it was one of the first instances of where they actually saw uh, a chimp getting assassinated within his own tribe. Oh, man. Yeah. I think his name was Grappelli or Hare. I think it was Grappelli. Let's say Grappelli for now. Uh, so he, he, Grappelli's problem was that he was ambitious, right? But he was also uh, uh, socially kind of like stupid. You know, he was, he was really ambitious about climbing the hierarchy, but he was not good at uh, cultivating allies. And uh, he, was, he was unpopular, right? Yeah. So a bunch of the males in the tribe got together and uh, tried to beat him to death. They were biting him, kicking him, hit, hitting him, dragging him around, right? They were just trying to assassinate him, getting rid of a rival, right? And uh, Grappelli's, uh, like, not an ally. It wasn't a friend of Grappelli's because he didn't really have any allies. But one uh, other chimp called Hare stepped in... Um, well, not directly, because he would have gotten caught into it. But when Grappelli kind of got away from it, Hare stepped in and kind of protected him. Like, he like kind of told the other ones to back off and let Grappelli climb up into the tree, and then he just kind of held them away, you know? Yeah. And he kind of calmed down the situation. And then Hare went over to Grappelli and comforted him and just kind of tried to make sure he was okay. Because it's like... The thing that's really amazing is that Hare... He, this wasn't an ally of his. There was no benefit whatsoever in it for him to protect this guy. I mean, it was could even be dangerous. Guy die if if he's if, yeah. It was really like yeah. He could have he could have been killed if he had in, in like gotten involved in the actual fight, you know. And he could still be killed after. But the whole thing was that he saw that this was wrong. This was this was against the moral fiber of the tribe. Yeah. And so he uh, he basically. Tr tried to stop it from going any further afterwards. Um, ultimately, Grappelli died from the wounds. Uh, so there was nothing to do there. But it forever changed Hare in, in the tribe as well. He was forever changed by that thing. He, like He was a, kind of a carefree chimp up until that point. Uh, and after that, he was very solemn and melancholic. Jeez. And it's, it's really, really, like, it's really fascinating, that whole thing. I was watching a bunch of chimp stuff like uh, a couple of years ago when I was supposed to do my studies. And uh, it was everything from how chimps wage war on each other and how they hunt. Like they, they, they plan their hunting in advance. Like they, they put each other up in positions and everything. Like they, they surround these little monkeys in the trees. I mean, they hunt all, all sorts of stuff. They hunt pigs, they hunt antelopes, they hunt anything. But yeah. they really like these little uh, red monkeys. Um, and uh, in some areas of Africa, a chimp can eat like a metric ton of meat a year. 
Like they eat so much meat, you would not believe it. They just like munch down the flesh. They love it. Uh, and they're really good hunters because of it, because it's a status symbol. Like when you get meat, you unlike unlike lions, chimps will actually divvy up the meat and share it with um, any ladies they might want to court or any other males that they want favor from. Like the main big chimp, you know, the boss chimp, the, the chieftain, he's going to divide meat among his loyal uh, cronies to keep them like loyal to him, right? Sure. It's like, uh, yeah, it's basically like a form of meat-based nepotism. Yeah, because uh, the food's not being used just for nourishment. The food's also being used to advance social status and to keep relationships. Yeah, it's a, it's a currency. It's a commodity. Yeah. Uh, and what's really interesting is that they, they will plan these hunts. Like, they will get into positions before they reveal themselves. And then, like, they will be so quiet. Because gyms are really easily excitable. But they will be so quiet. So, 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 so quiet. Until... <laughs> They like start attacking like uh, the chimps, the the the, the ch- monkeys. Then they will go crazy, create loud noises, scream, shriek, and they will drum their hands on trees and everything. Like they will actually do that. They will drum their hands on trees to create noise. Oh, that's cool. They will make like they will basically make battle music, so that they can gear each other up and also to terrorize the other ones, so they can try to make them panic and make mistakes. Huh. And they do the same thing when they go to war against other chimps, like other tribes. Uh, but then they will even use weapons. They will run into battle with fucking sticks and shit like that. <laughs> okay. And they will smack the sticks along the road as they're running. Like, you can see footage of it. It's really fascinating. Like, wow. I have this image. That I, I have a link saved on uh, my, uh, my bookmarks, actually, for that. There's a chimp that's just running through the brush with a stick. And he's just smacking it on everything along the way. You know, That's so interesting. anything he can hit with the stick, he's hitting along the way just to create as much noise as possible until he gets into like the fray. Probably to amp himself up too, you know, like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like the drums of war, man. Right. And um, when, when they're moving like through territory, like they're, when they're either ambushing other chimps uh, or they are trying to hunt monkeys or pigs or whatever, they will move in single file. To hide their numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first they will move a single file and they will be so quiet like they will be so 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 quiet they will communicate with like looks and fingers oh. like pointing and looking at stuff like they won't make a sound which is really strange because chimps are normally very very like bad at being subtle huh yeah I, it you know it's it's interesting that um go, going to to the empathy thing is, is that empathy is exhibited you know not just not just in rats but in in a whole broad gradient of animals i mean pigs pigs show empathy to other pigs um elephants and dolphins grieve loss i had a um, i even had a dog i had a dog that was very smart um growing up and and our german we had we had several dogs actually but one this german shepherd we had for a very long time passed away and so this other dog who would frequently use toys like when I, when I got my wisdom teeth pulled, I was in bed for a couple of days, just kind of watching movies and sleeping as much as I could and, and high on the, whatever drugs they gave me. And she came up and would line her toys up next to my bed because she knew I wasn't feeling well. And even though she typically followed my mom around and sat with my mom, she stayed in my bed for like three straight days until I felt better and started moving again. Um, and, and when the German shepherd passed, she 
would she she started bringing one of her toys and she would put it in the spot that the german shepherd frequently sat in and would just sit right next to there and she you know she didn't have she knew something was wrong she knew that there was a loss because we were all sad and and she could sense that and then she you know and into you know the thing with animals is because you can't communicate with them you don't know how complex their grief is or their understanding of, of what's going on but she definitely sat there and grieved and even like when we would take her on walks she would like we would have her tied up but instead of being excited to run out of the house she would like sniff the other the other leashes and it was it was very depressing but it was so heartbreaking it was, uh, yeah, it was awful. I mean, it didn't help the grieving process for, you know, because uh, not only were we sad about losing, you know, a family member, but she was also, you know, exhibiting a wide range of emotions. And she was, she was displaying her understanding of what was going on in multiple ways. And it was like when, 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 when a dog can't cheer you up, what kind of hope do you have? Right. Yeah. And it was, it was the point where I, you know, I'd look at her and be like, you know, should I comfort you? <laughs> you know, I, I did. I mean, we would, we, we spent more time together because when something, when there, when loss like that happens, I think the natural instinct is to reach out and remember, oh yeah, mortality is real. I should spend time with everybody as much as I can, you know, and, and you get back, you snap into that mode. But um, it, it was, it was strange. And the other dogs weren't quite as, and I don't know if it was an intelligence thing or an empathy thing, but couple of other other dogs didn't really seem to care that much but she definitely did she was on it uh, it, it was de- it was depressing yeah um, anyway not to end on that note i want <laughs> <laughs> so grim oh my dead dog had a dog friend that was broken afterwards oh, god <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think I think a lot of different animals. You can you can find empathy, and you can find a, a wide range of emotions. And, and I don't know all of the animals. I'm sure there there are a lot of. Very... I think it's really arrogant to think that we have a lot of emotions that are unique to us as humans. Right. Yeah. Because we are we're basically just group animals. We're advanced group animals, but we're still group animals. And like. Uh, the, the stuff that's going on in our heads has been going on for fucking hundreds of millions of years. Yeah. And what makes us special? Is it yeah. only our communication abilities? Is it, is that the, like it, it, our it makes it special to us is the thing, right? Uh, and we're, we're, we're strong as a species because we can, you know, blow shit up. <laughs> yeah. But until we found out that this combined with this blows that up, like, uh, we basically had turf wars with animals. Like, just think about like 200 years ago or something, right? People have like a little hamlet or something. They yeah. don't go out at night because there's wolves in the forest. Right. That's like living in a city and there's two neighborhoods and you don't go into that neighborhood because that's the bad neighborhood at night, right? <laughs> True. Yeah, it is. That's, yeah. that's exactly like you, You're basically living uh, in, kind of like orcs and elves, like the, except we can't talk to them. Humans and wolves. They got their turf over there, but we got our turf over here in this city. We've changed our turf a little, like a beaver dam. Yeah. So if we're going to go into their turf, we're going to need to round up a group of guys and we're going to need some light and some guns, right? Yeah. Bring your swords and fight the horde. Um, 
Azeroth is in danger. But... Yeah, but in like tiny, tiny little villages, every now and then, like predators would attack those villages too, you know? Yeah. Like if you go b- way back when, before we were really secure, you know, you would have like a bunch of hyenas just kind of like raiding a little village. Even today, hippos tend to do that sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of ter- very territorial animals that can stake claim to areas, which is kind of, I, I don't know to what extent hyenas can do it, but the Lion King kind of touched on it. You know, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Don't go in the shadowy place. You know? <laughs> yeah. We can hunt here, but don't go screw with those guys because they'll, they'll tear you up. Yeah, and we, we like to think of, us, uh, think of ourselves as ethereal creatures that just are above all of that. We're not. We're not. We're just, at this point, we're just really fucking good at it. Yeah, we can we can collect our food. We can we have control over our food. We have control over our space, and their other species can't push us around. It's the benefit yeah. of being the top of the food chain. Yeah, but there's still areas where you don't go as a human, like without your crew. Like you go to the savanna in Africa, lion's still gonna fuck you up. You're gonna want to bring your truck and your gun, or a bunch of people with trucks and guns. Yeah, you know. <laughs> If I'm not evolved enough to be smart enough to not screw with lions, well, that's, <laughs> I deserve yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, because that's their turf. We need to bring like extra shit to deal with it. But also, it's kind of not fair to do that now because we have so much shit and they like, we, we, we got to let them have some shit. Right. Otherwise, we're living in a boring world where it's just us. Wow, it's we, like, need, we need to keep the ecosystem. We're living in the world of Warcraft with no orcs, no elves, no nothing, just humans. Boring as hell. <laughs> Oh man. Well, is there, is there anything else you wanted to say? Anything else you want to add on? Uh, just examples of monkeys having war that I think is fascinating. But, <laughs> Maybe we can do a whole podcast on it, you know? Yeah. Monkey I think, wars. I think I would be repeating myself a lot. There was, <laughs> there was a case, a, a video that I thought was really interesting about these little monkeys that were fighting over a fig tree. They had a war. It was really grim too. Like, there was just two tribes of the same species of monkey that were fighting over a fig tree in a highway. They were fighting on the motorway, like a human-made asphalt way, like a road. Yeah. And they were clashing at each other and biting and smacking and hitting. And they like the war was over the tree. There was a tree on one side of the road that had figs in it, and they wanted it. So the two tribes went to war to grab the fig tree. And then a guy on a motorbike kind of drove through and they canceled the war for a moment. They just had a truce where they each ran to one side of each side of the road and waited for the car. <laughs> kind of like when kids are like having like a snowball fight and then one guy shows like car, car, until the car passes. Well, you, you, know? You, know, you know, the, the battle of bull run, they would, uh, I remember my, my history teacher telling me that, certain battles in the civil war they would take breaks at like four o'clock and have tea and they just stop fighting they'd all go back and you know eat and replenish and go to the bathroom and then they'd come back and start fighting again which is reasonable it's a reasonable thing to do yeah i, I mean i wouldn't want to pee myself on a battlefield battlefield's got to smell bad enough already yeah and in the case in the case of those monkeys though it wasn't like children like it wasn't a game like they they were casualties afterwards it was grim Oh, you like, know, I think I saw footage of that. It was a yeah. Walmart on a Black Friday. Yeah, some of the little babies, like they, they had gotten caught in the fight and they were like dead. They were like women and children lying dead in the streets afterwards. It was really grim. Oh, God. I mean, monkey women and children, but still, you know, they're people too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whew. 
All right. That's a note to end on. <laughs> no, you know what? This one's better. This one, <laughs> this one's better than last. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you for listening. This has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at uh, at the Moot Podcast or visit us at our Moot subreddit. And thank you very much. Bye bye.